1: Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 132 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We are so excited to be back together, bringing you a Tech Sideline podcast and We've got a busy show planned for you today. We're going to break down the news of Raheem Blackshear winning his appeal. He's now immediately eligible. What does that mean for the Virginia Tech offense and the running back room? We'll discuss the North Carolina State-Virginia Tech football game being postponed, what that means for the Hokies, and we'll talk about Virginia Tech recruiting. All that and more coming up on episode 132 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. And I'll get started right now. And with that, we welcome you back into the Tech Sideline Podcast. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, watching archived on YouTube, or listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, or on Stitcher, we've got so many ways that you can consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. And we're glad you joined us as we record on Wednesday morning september 2nd i'm evan hughes proud host of the tech sideline podcast pleased to be joined by our managing editor chris coleman our founder and general manager will stewart and he is the best podcast host in the land malcolm stewart behind the scenes taking your questions for the end of the best show
2: podcast producer you you're the host. host you're the host
1: look at that i'm sorry i'm I, I thought you were one. talking
2: about yourself in the third person you know I, I think
1: malcolm <laughs> hosting a podcast would certainly be a fun show i think we should do that in the future sometime uh malcolm great to have you back again the best producer in the land gentlemen great to be back with you uh folks a reminder this week and every week the tech sideline podcast is presented by the fisher law firm Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email the Fisher Law Firm at info at com. We were just discussing it before we went live. It's been about three months since we have all sat down on this set. It's great to be back. How are you all doing here early in September?
0: Pretty well. Yeah. um, Got to watch a little Alabama High school football action on ESPN on really? Friday night, as expected. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was like Spanish Fort versus somebody.
1: <laughs> well, then on Saturday, you had Shakur Sanders, five-star quarterback going to Florida Atlantic, the son of Dion Sanders, being coached by Dion, who's the head coach of the high school. Wow.
2: Hmm. Man, I'm sorry I missed that. It's Will Stewart, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. I'm feeling pretty uh, satisfied because I made a prediction on Twitter. I think it was August 4th that college football would be played this fall. And Central Arkansas and Austin P count, so uh, college football has been played.
1: <laughs> Did yeah. you get to watch that game?
2: You know, I had it on. I wouldn't say I watched it. Uh, I watched the very beginning when Austin P ripped off that 75-yard touchdown run. That was exciting. But the quarterback play was kind of difficult to watch. Um, I was Again, I didn't watch it all that closely. I was a little baffled that uh, I think Central Arkansas in particular was, running, was passing as much as they were because – I wasn't impressed with either a quarterback's passing ability, so um, you know it made it kind of hard to watch. I'll be—I don't—I don't want to be a power five snob, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or even really a, a, an FBS snob, but uh, that made it kind of hard to sit there and watch the whole three hours. So I just kind of kept an eye on it. Turned out to be a really exciting game there. At the you
1: end. know, there was a couple of years ago that Austin P was here at Lane Stadium. Yeah, I believe it was, it was maybe 20, 20... 2012.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I believe wow, Austin Austin
1: P went up three nothing, and then Virginia Tech proceeded <laughs> yeah, that, to win fifty two to three.
0: That was the game five days after that Monday night Georgia Tech game. Wow!
2: Yeah. So, I applaud Austin P for you know just embracing the the let's go P. Um, you know, and they they just own it. You know, they don't shy away from it.
1: I remember sit, being at that game in two thousand twelve and sitting over by the away section of Lane Stadium where the fans sit. And when they went up 3 nothing, it was like they were winning the Super Bowl. I mean, they were just thrilled. Uh, and so, uh, Well, Virginia
2: Tech is probably ranked, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that there, was back when we were a big enough name that we'd, we'd get ranked just because we were
2: Virginia Just because they were Virginia Tech. And, and,
0: that, my, and, the, and as it turned out that year, we were not good at all. Yeah. Demetri
2: yeah. Knowles was the star of that season opener, right? With that, yeah. Uh, that, the late that, touchdown. That catch pass. against Georgia Tech. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, college football is back. And there's a lot of college football news regarding the Virginia Tech Hokies who opened their season in September. Again, college football's back. We're glad to have you back with us here on the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 132. Let's dive right into it. We've got a busy show today. We begin with the news of Hokies football within the last week. Yesterday, it was announced that Rutgers transfer running back Raheem Blackshear won his appeal with the NCAA and is now immediately eligible to play for the Hokies. Blackshear has over 1,700 career yards from scrimmage and 12 touchdowns, six of which are on the ground, six of which are receiving touchdowns. Chris, I'll start with you. How much of a difference does Raheem Blackshear make for the Virginia Tech backfield? Oh,
0: It's it's a big difference, Uh, and I wouldn't just say backfield. I'd say for the whole offense because he's a guy who's lined up as a receiver. Uh, He's lined up as a running back. Um, he's lined up as kind of like an H back even at times, and even as a wildcat quarterback. So I, I think I'm not I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop short of saying that the offense was going to be designed around Raheem Blackshear, but he was going to heavily influence the type of plays that Brad Cornelson and the staff designed and put into the playbook this year. There's going to be some things in there that he's capable of executing uh, that other guys aren't. You can do certain things with him in there that you can't do with other guys uh you're more likely to have two tailbacks in the game at once if he's on the team um he's kind of a a swiss army knife as someone put it on twitter a jack of all trades uh fuente said he thinks he could play multiple positions on both sides of the ball because he's so smart yeah
2: the the exact quote was four or five positions on both sides of the ball so
0: no, he's not going to play defense. I don't want anybody to, to mistake that. But, no two-way uh, players. He said, he said he's capable of it. Okay, right, right. Um, now, they got him from Rutgers, and his former offensive coordinator at Rutgers was Jerry Kill. So, so, there, that's, so the that's, there. that's the connection That's the connection. You know, I, I foresee him playing a lot this year, catching a lot of passes, uh, getting a decent amount of carries. Yeah. Uh, NFL Draft Scout actually ranks him the number six tailback for the 2022 draft. Um, NFL teams like versatile tailbacks these days that can catch balls out of the backfield and everything like that. And he caught 29 passes in four games last year before red that's, uh, a that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Well, the great thing about him
2: is he's a guy that uh, when he's on the field, um, like one of the weapons coaches like to have at their disposal is being able to run many different things out of the same personnel. Mm-hmm. Groupings, They don't want to give away by putting, sending one guy out and bringing another guy in. They don't want to tip what they're getting ready to do. And he's a guy that allow he he can line up so many different places. He just really opens up the playbook without having to change personnel, without having to take the time to run a guy off the field and on the field. You can just line up and go with the next play. I
0: expect we'll see the pop pass come back to a certain extent. Yeah, Twitter's yeah. been they're all within... about
1: that over the last couple of days, the pop pass and predicting when that happens with uh, Raheem Blackshear. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was watching a little bit of his uh, Rutgers highlights the other day, and and Brandon Patterson, I believe, put it in one of uh, his articles. It wasn't a pop pass per se because the quarterback did drop back and didn't fake towards the line of scrimmage. Um, But Blackshear himself, it was a pop pass action from the running back. He basically went out like he was going to block the defensive end or outside linebacker and then, boom, exploded up the field and boom, wide open, easy touchdown. So I would expect that's coming at some point with him.
2: Yeah, yes, that's good stuff. So the, the drama surrounding the transfer was, you know, that it was initially denied. And that turned a lot of the attention towards how Virginia Tech does these things. And maybe the fault, you know, was with the way that Virginia Tech was was doing transfer uh, waiver appeals. Uh, not appeals, but transfer waivers. Um, because a, a pattern... You know, a, a portion of the fan base felt that a pattern was starting to develop where transfers to other schools were being approved quickly, and I pointed this out on Twitter. There's the uh, Tua, Tua's His little brother, brother Talio. Yeah, he. So, so pronounce the last name for me. Tongue of Viola. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So he transfers in May and gets approved in August, and Blackshear transfers in January and is still waiting. So, so there was some criticism that surrounded how is Virginia Tech handling these things, and. Now Virginia Tech would never say this, but you know what? What we were told about the original waiver is that uh, uh, apparently, for some reason, it it required Greg Schiano, the new coach at Rutgers, it, it required his sign-off, which never happened, um, and that's why the original transfer didn't go through. So that leads to people criticizing Shiano. You know, honestly, uh, Chris knows the timing on this stuff better than I do, but Schiano's a new coach. He's adding new staff, turning over old staff. It may have just slipped through the cracks.
0: Yeah, you know, whatever compliance personnel or or minor staff member who would have been in charge of that in the past, maybe they got fired in the staff changeover, and just the piece of paper never got put in front of him to sign. And, and I will remind nobody you, nobody knew about
2: it. I will remind you that the Big Ten has said we're not playing football. Uh, who, maybe
0: maybe that staff member's so, furloughed.
2: Maybe that person got laid off, right. furloughed, or fired. You, you don't know. It could have completely yeah. slipped through the cracks, or, or maybe Shauna's being a jerk. It's one of two things. You know,
1: <laughs> you know go, going back to him, the impact he can have on the field, you use the term swift army knife, and I think the last person on offense who truly was a Swiss army knife might have been Sam Rogers, Sam Rogers, but two completely different kinds of players. Mm-hmm. Question being, in Justin Fuente's offense, how important is it to have somebody who's multi-dimensional? like Blackshear
0: is? Well, I think in anybody's offense, it certainly helps because of what Will said. Um, You don't know exactly, you know the personnel grouping, but you don't know whether he's going to line up as a tailback, as a slot, even on the outside or as an H-back or or something like that. Um, So just besides his talent level, you you know, I I think that certainly makes life easier for, for offensive coordinators when you have a player like
1: that. Uh, let's take a look at this running back room as a whole, and it certainly looks a little bit different from last year. It's a lot there's, different from last year. <laughs> uh, there, there are, there's a lot of different pieces and different players involved. Uh, of course, we returned Jalen Holston, who battled injury last year. You've got Kashawn King coming back after a promising start to his career, Blackshear, uh, and then Khalil Herbert. So, Will, when you look at this running back room, who do you expect to touch the ball a lot down the stretch in these games? I mean, could we see a rotation of guys in the backfield early in the year?
2: Well, you know, uh, Justin Fuente emailed me the depth chart the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, by the way, I'm just kidding, folks.
1: Can't see the smile through the mask.
2: Yeah, so so, so, what are you guessing, Chris? Are you guessing Herbert and uh, I would say
1: uh, Herbert Blackshear?
2: and Blackshear, 1A and 1B. Uh, yeah. And Fuente
0: said Blackshear had been spending 50% of his time with the running backs and 50% of the time with the wide receivers. So yeah. I don't even necessarily – say oh running back Raheem Blackshear if this was fantasy football you'd draft him and put him in that flex spot yeah. where you could put any offensive player right
2: so I think you know one of the things I'm looking for is just a um a more rugged guy a guy who can I'm not saying Fuente's not a guy to, to give a guy a lot of carries but uh, somebody they can just take the pounding like you know we talked about Deshaun McLeese many times um over the years where he would start the season out strong um Seem to get worn down pretty quickly, and then be strong again in the bowl game, mm-hmm. you know. And and Khalil Harbert is—I uh, don't have his height and weight right off the top of my head, but uh, he's he's number twenty-one on the roster. He's like 205, two, oh, five, two
0: ten. And this he, is the transfer yeah. from
1: Kansas, who also has had a promising start to yeah, his career.
2: He he's a he's a muscular-looking dude, you mm-hmm. know. So um, that, that's that's one of the things I'll be looking for is is do, do they have guys that can carry more of the load and take more of the pounding because that's that's part of it. What it sounds
0: like right now is your top three. Uh, or, you know, Herbert, Blackshear, and Holston, with Holston also being a big guy, you yeah. know, 5'11", 215, 20 pounds. And I don't think anybody knew exactly how he was going to factor in coming off his leg injury. And then, of course, you know, Blackshear is the smallest of those, but still 5'9", 195, thereabouts. It's not like Deshaun McLeese, who always looked like he was playing at about 175 to 180, yeah, right? I mean, these are these are thicker built guys, which I think is is, is good. It did not take Adam Lechtenberg longer turnover his running back room.
2: Yeah. So so the question is, you know, does Kashawn King fit in all this? And and there was a heavy rumor that uh, King was going to opt out for this year. And, and then the rumor went back in the other direction that he's not going to opt out. And of course, nothing public was ever said. Yeah. Um, So now with Blackshear being available, that allows you to and and with the NCAA saying, basically, you know, whatever you do this year doesn't affect your eligibility. Um, It'll be interesting to see if King tends to get more spot duty instead of more regular duty. So that's another thing I'll be looking for. He, apparently,
0: he reported back under 170 pounds, mm. and he was listed at 180 last year. Yeah. So he either did not have access to a weight room, or just didn't put in the work. Right. But even at his a, but somebody at his age shouldn't be losing weight like that. Yeah. Uh, unless they just I'm
2: assuming have, that, that unless unless true.
0: their diet is just terrible or something, right. you, you know. Uh, and who knows? We, we don't know his background, where he came from, what he has access to, and all that. Right. Uh, Fuente said a couple weeks ago that right now he'd probably be the kickoff returner if the season started tomorrow. That's true. He did say that. Right. Yep. So, But honestly, I, if he's under 170 pounds, I wouldn't play him as a Oof. running back. The guy's <laughs> going to get killed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I would have him return kicks. So he shows up to practice for the special teams portion of practice and then goes to the weight room. that, that well, That's and, what I'd be having Sean King do this year. Yeah. You, you're like – nor- normally I'd be like oh red him but you know you don't need to red shirt guys right. this year
2: Yeah,
1: I'm glad we had the word red shirt brought up within the first 20 oh, minutes my- of
0: the podcast right,
1: th- the- so. th- th- well I'll
0: just throw this out here think about next season all right, So, Tech signed like 15 or 16. Oh, I'm getting.
1: Oh, <laughs> 15
0: or 16 guys last year. They're going to sign twenty, 25 guys this year or thereabouts. That means next year, Virginia Tech will have 40 true freshmen on the roster. Technically, but, true freshmen. When, yeah.
1: when you said bring up the roster on today's podcast, I have written in all caps a red shirt at Chris in my notes oh. here. So, <laughs> believe me, uh, it will be brought up later.
0: We could set the school record for red shirts next year.
1: <laughs> Uh, let's transition to the other news that's happened in the last week or so. And, and that's that Virginia Tech's opener against North Carolina state has been postponed uh, after a rise in COVID cases in the North Carolina state program. So that's now rescheduled from September 12th to September 26th. And all of a sudden Virginia Tech and Virginia opened their 2020 seasons against each other playing for the Commonwealth cup. Will, What's your initial reaction when you hear about the two rivals opening their seasons against each other?
2: Well, there's two things you got to unpack here. You got to unpack the fact the fact that the NC State game was so quickly moved, and and we can talk about that. But yeah, let's talk about UVA. Um, I got to figure this is advantage Tech because Virginia Tech is bringing back an experienced quarterback, uh, a lot of experienced players i'm not an expert on uva's roster i know they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback for them so i just i i like that aspect of it uh i think that favors virginia tech um and and that's my that's my quick and dirty take on it uh, that that uh you, chris that that was going to be uva's UVA's first game was going to be Tech, no matter what. Correct? Yeah, because
0: their uh, opener against VMI was canceled.
2: So if Virginia Tech was going to play NC State, and and sometimes if you so let's say you have a conference game that's your second game of the year, and you're opening with Austin P or an FCS team or something like that, you can go vanilla and not show a lot and still win the game. Virginia Tech was going to have to show a lot playing against NC State. They weren't going to hold anything back, so UVA would have had film to study, and that would have been an advantage for them. And that's an advantage that's gone, you know. And and now, uh, it 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 has the potential to be an ugly game. Sometimes first games uh, between two power five teams can be ugly. I, I don't know if you recall this or not, Evan, but uh, when, when the ACC was first expanded, uh, ESPN and ABC fell in love with playing Florida, uh, Florida State, and Miami on Labor Day night. And they did that for a few years, two thousand four, two thousand five, around in there, and it, it they, the games were ugly because it was the first game of the year for the. I remember, you know, thirteen, ten, and games like that. And they were I mean, also
0: two really poorly coached teams at that time, too. This is true. Yeah. And that,
2: that may have played a hand at it, you know. But I remember people scratching their head, going, "Man, this, this isn't fun to watch." All those
0: athletes, and they were just ugly, awful football games.
2: So there was a lot of passion in the game, but not a lot of uh, well, well-executed. So you football.
1: mentioned the word ugly, and uh, but. You said you know two power five teams playing each other for the first time this season. It could happen, but Chris, not only going at it, you know, two power five schools for the first time all season, opening their seasons, but no spring game. No, you're right. Mm. Fall no practice, practice has been completely different. So, yeah, just how sloppy of a game could it be between yeah. the Cavs and the Hokies? I
0: mean, it has the potential to be sloppy. Um, I think Will hit the nail on the head when he talked about prep and and film is not going to have any film at all on Virginia Tech's defense. And this is why I was going to pick Virginia Tech to beat Penn State. Um, so you know the personnel for the most part, but exactly what type of defense are you going to run? What are you going to be asking your players to do? What are Justin Hamilton's tendencies on – what are his blitz tendencies on third down, you know? So you're, you're, you're pulling up his old Clinch Valley UVA-wise film. Are you looking at VMI tape from his days there? Are you looking at the Buffalo Bills with Tierlink? Are you looking at Minnesota film with Tracy Clays in Washington State? What, what uh, is he
2: going to do with Alan Tisdale? What is he going to do with Amari Barnett? Right, you know, uh, nobody right. I
0: can answer this. All, all of that stuff. Um, or is, gonna, is Tech going to play a lot of man coverage? Are they going to do more zone? What kind of zones? You just don't know. And... Because there's such a wide variety of backgrounds on this defensive staff, you've got a lot of stuff to to study. At your disposal. At yeah. your, right, right. Now, obviously, they've known this is going to be their opening game for a long time now, so they've had plenty of time to study. Yeah. And if the, UV, if the UVA staff proved anything last year is, when you give them three weeks or so, <laughs> they, they, they can prepare. They had three weeks they to prepare for Virginia to stack last root. year, and they won the game book up probably because everybody
2: knew their quarterback was going to run it and they still found ways to get and just
1: like it just like last year they played liberty before virginia tech they had mm-hmm. vmi before virginia tech
2: well, well and last year they had a bye then liberty and then
1: virginia
0: tech sorry about this mask it's not staying on my face um so i, I think but you know the, the the big difference there is of course when they were preparing for virginia tech in those three weeks last year is they had filmed to study they they don't have any film of Virginia Tech playing the defense they're going to play this year. So, so I think that's a big advantage for Tech.
2: Yeah, so two things come to mind, the 2014 Ohio State game when Bud just just showed Ohio State something that, that they, they did not expect.
0: Well, both sides of the ball. We had a new quarterback.
2: Yep, very true. Uh, two true freshman receivers that nobody had ever seen on film. Sam Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. That the pride game. of Hanover County, baby. So, the other thing I think about, and Chris helped me fill in the blanks here, was it a Pittsburgh game where Bud unleashed Daddy Nicholas from like a stand up mm-hmm. rush deep? I want to say that was. Uh... Oh gosh, twenty thirteen, something like that, yeah. you know. And 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 he had he had three sacks, I think. Yeah. And the, the ironic thing about that is, Daddy Nicholas's tackling in space wasn't his strength, mm-hmm. you know. But that's exactly what Bud had him do, and he completely mm-hmm. disrupted Pitt's offense. So, um, w- when I mention Alan Tisdale and Amari Barno, and and you know whoever else, you know who know, who knows what Justin Hamilton's going to do. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Now on the the other side of it, I, I think UVA's had five guys opt out. Right.
2: Yes, there and, is one position group in particular which I think has been hit hard. But Bronco
0: hasn't said who any of the players are. Right. So how? Can so we for all understand? I know,
2: I'm thinking about UNC. They've you, had some defensive backs out right, there. Right. Right. Um, so
0: for all all we know, they're five important players or five nobodies. Right. So Virginia Tech could be like, oh man, we really like this linebacker. Here's here's what. what we kind of want to change, tweak this in our game plan to avoid him, and then you roll out there and he's not even on the field, right?
2: The field. So, so it M- M- Mendenhall's
0: pulling a Fuente, basically, yeah. being very, very secretive. That's how football coaches are these days. So there's still so much unknown in this. Like, we don't even know. My gosh, let's say the Hinden Hooker tests positive tomorrow. Guess what? He's not playing in that game if yeah. he tests positive tomorrow, most likely. You know, because – he won't be able to practice for the next two weeks if he tests positive tomorrow. Even if he's back and tests negative the day before the game. I don't know, is He, would, he, well, wouldn't, have, yeah. he wouldn't have practiced for the previous two weeks. So you can't start him, right?
2: right? So there's, there's just so much unknown
0: as far as that goes.
2: Well, we're, no, all, we sitting, we're all sitting here assuming Hendon Hooker's going to start. Or, we, don't or, correct, right. um, we, we don't know that for a
0: fact. Correct, right. We don't know that for a fact. I don't know. It's just so much unknown going into the season.
1: Well, let's transition into this because, uh, like you said, you were kind of bringing up a positive, right, that UVA is not going to have a bunch of film on Virginia Tech when they were supposed to that open the season against had, NC State. Yeah. But uh, the downside to that is that Virginia Tech is going to have to play 10 consecutive football games with no bye week. So how concerning is that or not concerning is it, Will, that you have no bye week and you got to play 10 in a row?
2: Well, that's going to take its toll. You know, these are are players that did not get to condition properly through the spring. Um, They have been here longer than usual in the fall, but it is going to take its toll. Um, Virginia Tech is not a team. Their depth is getting better, particularly at certain positions and position groups. But you see it every year. Guys start dropping like flies, you know. And and so that's going to take its toll, and, and who knows what. You know, you look at that Clemson game at the end of the year. Clemson is a team that is deep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who knows what that's going to turn into at the very end of the year. So that's my answer. It's going to take its toll. All
1: right. So the last time Virginia Tech played 10 football games in a row, when was it? Trivia now, question of the podcast.
2: Now, you said you put it. Chris, you said I'm you I'm pretty put sure it. it was
1: 1995, uh, right?
2: That was going to be my guess, 1995. You
1: both are correct. And for yeah. me, that
2: was a guess. I didn't do any research. According to
1: Webmaster Damien Sal sent me the information, this was a Cincinnati game, September 16th, that ran through the UVA game, November 18th, 1995. So 25 years. And, and well, yeah. and –
0: Honestly, I think if they played eleven games without a bye week, the the opener against Cincinnati was on a Thursday. So then we didn't play two days no, later. nineteen ninety five on Boston College. Boston, was on a, excuse me. Boston College opened on a Thursday night, so two days later we were off on that weekend. So right. So yeah. So but technically that's still week one. So I think we played eleven games in a row. Really, kind of that, the whole that year season. with no bye. Yeah.
2: So there was a there was a time period there when uh, college football was still an eleven game season. Where they built in two bye weeks right. into everybody's schedule, and then they jumped to a twelve game season, and they dropped it back to one bye week. Um, so, so when you asked the question, I thought, well, you got to go. You know, there, there was early mid two thousands. There were a lot of bye weeks all yeah. across college football, so that was out. So I went back to nineteen ninety five immediately.
0: And te- Tech actually played UVA on like November seventeenth that year.
2: Yes. Yeah. I don't remember what the last game of the year was. Oh, well, that was it. Oh, yeah. it's they We just it did play them on Thanksgiving
1: weekend. Right. Yeah. Well, when Virginia Tech plays Virginia this year, they're going to have to bring a lot of grit. That's something we try to bring <laughs> to the Tech Sideline podcast. We've got two grit hats out in front. Uh, Tech Sideline has a new sponsor in grit, including here on the podcast. Will's going to throw on a hat. Will, oh, my head is too tell our listeners hat. who can't see and our viewers who are watching about our new sponsor.
2: All right, so the coaches have been wearing uh, grit gear. They've got uh, hats, shirts, and things like that. And so uh, some some enterprising Hokies decided to make their own uh, uh, grit gear. So they've got hats, T-shirts, and they have face coverings. And so they have signed up to be a sponsor on the website for the next uh, you know month or two. Um, so if you want to look at and buy, that matches your shirt perfectly. It kind of does, actually. Yeah. I might. <laughs> um, so if you if you want to check out the GRIT gear, just go to the TechSideline website and go to the homepage, and whether you're on mobile or desktop, what I'm about to say is true. You'll see a big fat GRIT gear ad at the top of the uh, website, so click that and check it out and uh, get you some GRIT gear. So I, I don't think, th- has the coaching staff said what GRIT stands for to them? I mean, they produced this like big, long soliloquy about what it means, but... As far as being an acronym goes, I don't think they've said.
1: I don't think they have. Yeah.
2: So, so, so these guys who put this together are saying, get ready. It's time. Yeah. Um, we took suggestions one day on the podcast, I think, and got some pretty clever ones.
1: But. I mean, it's really cool for the listeners that can't see it. I mean, it just big letters, grit. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, excellent mesh hat. And uh, again, you can go to techsideline.com, get more information about it. But it. Is that style lot.
2: called a trucker hat? Is that what they call I, it? I believe, I believe
1: yes, that's a trucker hat. The yep. one that I had on and yours, I believe is different, but they're both still at any rate. Yeah, so they get hats. the
2: maroon hat when the orange hat, they're very cool. So check them out. Again, go to the tech sideline homepage and you'll see the ad there.
1: Grit gear. And, uh, speaking of bringing grit to the Commonwealth cup, it was announced yesterday that, uh, a lot of people are going to see the uh, grit from both sides, uh, as the game is either going to be at 3:30 or 7:30 on ABC,
2: televised nationally. Nationally, yes.
1: So, uh, pretty big, uh, you know, for for this rivalry. You think about a couple of years from about 2012 to 2016, Commonwealth Cup wasn't really nationally televised. Yes, it was on ESPN2 or ESPNU, but think about the last couple of years. I mean, two years ago in Blacksburg, you had Adam Amin on the call and Rod Gilmore in the, in the fumble and overtime. And then, of course, last year. Oh, that uh, was a Friday game. It was, right. correct. That's yeah. a good point. And then last year, of course, it was uh, noon on ABC. So uh, the last three years, this rivalry is getting national attention. How important is that for this rivalry just to get that recognition across the country? So
2: uh, ESPN slash ABC said that they were going to let the, um, uh, the ACC games of the, the prior weekend happen. Um, I'm not really familiar with the schedule. I think Miami plays. Um, Maybe Louisville. uh, uh, I think some of the competition there is Miami and Louisville playing each other. Yes, about
1: what what time slot it's going to be. Yeah. Correct. So
2: I think they're kind of waiting to see what happens with with Miami in particular. If the Canes go out and lose, maybe they'll stick Tech and UVA at the 7.30 time slot. Um, And that's
0: easy to do because, I mean – you're going to have a camera crew at both games. It's just a matter of which one is at night and which one's at 3.30. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, it's an opportunity for Virginia Tech to make a statement. Um, you know, in Bronco's first year, uh, I don't remember the score, Chris, but Virginia Tech Latin flattened this- UVA. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to become relevant again, uh, th- this is an opportunity on national television with a big win to kind of because Virginia Tech's a fringe top 25 team particularly if you subtract the the Pac-12 and the Big 10. Um, I think I think the uh, AP rankings came out and Tech was ranked 27th and if you take out the Big 10 and and Pac-12 that moves Tech up to 18th. So, with with the schools that you know are playing now, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity for Virginia tech, Virginia tech to get watched and make a statement.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a moment. The Pac-12, Big 10 now playing football this fall. How much Will that affect Virginia Tech in a positive way, having national exposure? Right.
0: It just it opens up more time slots, right? Instead of that night game, you know, instead of Michigan versus Penn State, that that Saturday night, I don't know, what that or, or Ohio better, State or versus anybody, versus or Wisconsin, around. right, or yeah. whatever. Well, now it's Virginia and Virginia Tech. Yeah. Somebody's got to fill the void, right? Yeah. So I think it's good from that from that standpoint, from an exposure standpoint.
2: Yeah, it's an opportunity for all of the acc really and and uh you know given that that it's now a 10 game conference schedule instead of just eight there are a lot more uh, marquee matchups which uh which to me is it should be a 10 game schedule anyway you know we we could slice and dice that but um there's that whole discussion about how covid and the coronavirus are che- clearly changing things for this year but some things are You know, it's going to get people to thinking. Eh. And a perfect example of this is Virginia Tech's move-in, their their campus move-in. They staggered it and gave everybody times, and they've never done that before. Mm -hmm. Uh, When my son moved into South Carolina, they gave him a day and a time slot to move in, and it makes things so much smoother. And now that Virginia Tech has experienced that, I'm betting they're going to stick with it. So you're going to see things happen this year that will actually last in some form, beyond just this year and you got to wonder if a a larger conference schedule is one of those things
1: something that has lasted from years prior continuing to 2020 we're glad to have jonathan fisher and the fisher law firm back with us as a proud partner of tech sideline and a sponsor of the podcast we're going to step aside for a break episode 132 of the tech sideline podcast but when we come back The Athletics' Ari Wasserman did a story on schools that should be, in his estimation, recruiting better. Virginia Tech was on that list. We're going to talk about the upcoming recruiting class for Virginia Tech, the job the Hokies have done for the 2020 and 2021 recruiting class. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. You're watching and listening to the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm.
2: If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than thirty thousand criminal and traffic cases statewide, and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan
1: Fisher, class of ninety-eight. Let's go. Home. Pokies. Welcome back into episode 132 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We are so glad you're with us, whether you're watching or listening, recording on Wednesday morning, September 2nd. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart, back with you. And, you know, we transitioned to an article that was actually written on August 31st, just a couple of days ago. I want to spend some time talking about it. Chris has prepared some excellent numbers for us. Uh, the Athletics' Ari Washerman did an article that featured. Uh, the top five, the five college football programs that should be recruiting better. Now, some of this was opinion based. He went in and gave different reasons as why these schools were on the list. But one through five, Florida State was number one on his list. Penn State second. Virginia Tech was third. UCLA was fourth, Ole Miss was fifth. Again, these are schools that should be recruiting better in his estimation based off of program prestige and success that they've had in in years past. I want to read a paragraph that was written about Virginia Tech in this article. Quote, So you may think that this year's class, currently ranked number 38, is an improvement. But is that what Virginia Tech is now? What about the program that played for a national title in 1999 and won at least 10 games from 2004 to eleven? the Hokies' first eight years in the ACC. Is that program dead? Maybe it is because uh, is because competing for a national title is much harder now than it was during the height of the Frank Beamer era. But even so, there's no reason why Virginia Tech's brand name and location shouldn't at least keep it in the top half of the Power Five. Right? Close quote. So that was written a couple of days ago. Chris, you brought some stats in What do you make of Virginia Tech being on that list, and do you agree with what that paragraph just read? I
0: think there was an article written last summer that got the numbers of all public schools for how much they spend on recruiting, how much money they spend on it. And there's a direct correlation between recruiting rankings and how much money schools spend. For the most part. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, Georgia was number 1 in their 2018 class was first and their 2019 class was second all right so but here's your top 10 spenders in in terms of recruiting georgia alabama texas clemson texas a&m florida state michigan penn state lsu oklahoma those those teams from a recruiting standpoint are getting what they pay for uh you know washington state kansas state arizona state texas tech maryland they're at the bottom of the list in terms and money spent on recruiting. They're also getting what they pay for. <laughs> Generally speaking, schools on this list, they're getting what they pay for. Now, Virginia Tech is, is an example. Virginia Tech is 40th on this list. In terms and, of spending. In terms of spending for- on recruiting. And it does not include private schools because private schools don't report. It also doesn't include Wisconsin because Wisconsin spends so little on football recruiting that they don't even make the list which is incredible to me yeah but virginia tech is 40th ahead of only purdue nc state arizona maryland texas tech arizona state washington state kansas state and mississippi state and with the 40th most spending virginia tech signed the 24th best class in 2018 the 26th best class in 2019 2020 class wasn't as good, but it was a smaller class, and, you know, we've beat that horse to death. This year so far, Virginia Tech is 38th, I believe, which is about what they spend. People wondered why Virginia Tech did not get a new coach recruiting boost with Justin Fuente. I think they did. We just didn't know it. Um, I mean, look, I mean, let's see. So, Virginia Tech, here's some other numbers for you. Uh, Recruiting spending for all sports. Virginia Tech spends almost 1.6 million on recruiting. 35.4% of that goes towards recruiting, which is one of the lowest numbers for football. For for football. Yes, one of for, the lowest percentages. One of the lowest percentages in the country. Re- but, read that stat again real quick. Okay. Virginia Tech spends 35.4% of all recruiting spending on football, on football recruiting. Right. North Carolina, meanwhile, spends 52.2% of their recruiting money on football. That equates to them spending about a little over 400000 more per year on football recruiting than Virginia Tech, and this was before Matt Brown got there.
2: Before he really um, got everybody hired and got rolling.
0: Right. So uh, let, let, let me just go through some of the schools that spend more money on football recruiting than, than Virginia Tech.
2: Now from a total dollar from standpoint. From a total dollar we're standpoint. We're back to talking about total. total yeah.
0: I'm just going to name some some random schools that will probably surprise you. Georgia Tech, West Virginia, Colorado, Cal, Oregon State, one of the worst athletic departments in the country. Missouri, Indiana. Uh, Big 10 money. Right. Virginia. V- Virginia spends, oh, looks like about 150000 more per year in football recruiting than Virginia Tech. Illinois spends more. Uh, Kentucky spends more. Rutgers spends almost 300,000 more per year than Virginia Tech and that was before Greg Schiano was hired.
2: And with his many uh, many demands for support staff and all that.
0: Utah, Iowa State, Minnesota, Kansas, they all spend twice as much money on football recruiting as Virginia Tech. You get what you put into it. You know, if when I if I go to Lowe's and I buy their cheapest dishwasher, you know and that and it breaks that's my fault <laughs> okay that's not the people who made the dishwasher it's cheap for a reason right um so yeah i i i completely disagree with that with that quote i mean all these numbers indicate that you get what you put in to recruiting in virginia tech when virginia tech again i'll, I'll point this out all over again uh, At virginia tech's peak they were third in the country in coaching staff salaries
2: yeah, back that, in the year 2000.
0: They had brand new facilities, better facilities than everybody else in the Merriman Center. Uh, they had the best strength and conditioning coach in the country. They could afford elite assistants like Jim Cavanaugh. Um, state of Virginia talent was better, in my opinion, back right, then than, right. than it is now. Um, when he brings up location, I'm sorry. Location is not an advantage for Virginia Tech. Blacksburg's a nice town, um, but it's, it's, not, it's not a convenient town. Um you know, the other fan base, well, NC State really wants to fire their coach, and uh you know, NC State is forty second in recruiting spending, and they've signed the twenty sixth and 29th best classes. All right, that they are out kicking their coverage as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Um some underachievers on here are probably Utah spends a ton of money, the one only thirty third and forty second in recruiting class. Iowa State spends a ton of money, they're sixteenth. But only 55th and 46th in recruiting class rankings. Now you can argue that those two schools, you know, they're way out in the middle of nowhere, so they have to spend a lot more to even be able to have a chance to compete. Although Wisconsin doesn't even make this list. Wisconsin only spends three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year on football recruiting. That's twenty eight point six percent of their recruiting overall recruiting budget, which is dead last on this list.
2: Yeah.
0: Wisconsin knows who they are, man. They sign like the 40th 40th or 50th best class every year. They redshirt their guys, and they just get guys that fit their culture. And I think it's more realistic for Virginia Tech to find success in that
2: model than it is... In trying to outspend everybody,
0: else. And, right, and all of a sudden coming up with an extra two million dollars a year to spend on football recruiting, especially in a year where we might be facing fifty million dollars in revenue losses, Oof. right? So, yeah, I would disagree that Virginia Tech completely disagree that Virginia Tech isn't recruiting up to its potential. I mean, I mean these numbers to me, they're they're just factual. Um, you've seen North Carolina up their recruiting game, and and I mean. Virginia Tech has just fallen behind in their support for the football program. I mean, Frank Beamer is a Hall of Famer and a great coach, but he also had access to more resources than everybody else had at the time, at the time. when we were at our peak. And the schools that could generate more revenue eventually woke up and started out spending tech.
2: So um, to, to add some context to that, you ask yourself, how did this happen? How did we get here? And this is my opinion. Your mileage may vary. Um as we've documented many times, Nick Saban changed the model when he went to Alabama, mm-hmm. which was 2008, 2009, 2007, I believe. He was he, he had been he had been at LSU, then he went I believe directly to the Miami Dolphins, yep. and while he was at Miami for a year, year and a half, however long that was, he just got to looking around how pro organizations are run and how they how how much resource they put into scouting players. Clearly, they don't recruit, but they scout. And so he just got to thinking. So when he came to Alabama, he staffed up in recruiting in a way that nobody else had ever done. And Nick Saban changed the model at that point in time. Let's put that at 2009 to be generous. Uh, It was probably the machinations were probably already underway. But by 2009, he had his model in place to to really staff up recruiting. So you go over to Virginia Tech, and, you know, that, that was six more years that Frank Beamer was the head coach up, up through 2015. Jim Weaver was the athletic director for most of that time. And particularly towards the end, Jim wasn't healthy, you know, and, and his, his ability to, to put in the time and energy was, was compromised. So you had a football coach at the end of his career who was used to doing things a certain way, and it was a formula that worked very well. And I'm actually not criticizing, by the way because at the end of his career he found he continued to find i would say the depth of virginia tech's recruiting at the end of frank's career wasn't as good but the top level guys were still outstanding Mm. just just uh, just look at that 2016 team the Edmonds brothers and tim settle and, Mm. and and you can go on down the list The tremendous amount of talent that frank left behind but it wasn't very deep yeah um so anyway you know you had a head coach who believed in relationships. He didn't believe in large staffs. He, he, I don't know if he even thought about it. He had his way of doing things. And you had an athletic director who was also not on the cutting edge. So that was all the way up through 2015. And when Whit Babcock came on board in 2014, one of the things I used to fuss about all the time was Jim Weaver used to run the athletic department tremendously in the black. At times, I'm not exaggerating, eight million dollars in one year in the black. And he would <laughs> he would choke off certain programs even though he had the money. And the classic example is Bonnie Hendrickson wanted to raise well, she was making two two hundred and fifty thousand a year, and Kansas offered her five hundred thousand a year. So you sit there on the surface and you say, That's just another two hundred and fifty thousand, Jim. You're making eight million. What's the big deal? But that was the way he operated. Um so when Witt got here Witt started putting more resources into the olympic sports in both facilities and coaching staffs and that i believe is where his focus was and it is my opinion that things were allowed to slip both in terms of facilities which we've talked about but in terms of support staff you know the the curtain got peeled away a little bit when john yetzi went on the sons of saturday podcast and um I didn't listen to it. Chris did. He basically told stories like, we've got five recruiting assistants. UVA has 10. All you got to do is go to Clemson's website and Alabama's site and look up the number of analysts they
0: have. Alabama's got former head coaches and like support staff roles.
2: So, So not only did Nick Saban put the model in place, but Virginia Tech did not react to it through 2015. And then didn't react to it in my opinion when Justin Fuente arrived and was working in concert with Whit Babcock now Virginia Tech is making moves they're making changes they're adding more staff a full decade after Nick Saban first did it at Alabama and others had already started doing it and and when Greg we, we mentioned Greg Schiano, when Greg Schiano got hired this go around by Rutgers um he came rolling in and said he, he gave them a huge amount of money that he wanted for support staff and all that. Over and $7 million for assistance. i I'll bet Rutgers wasn't really doing that. And and at first they kind of looked at it and said, sorry, no. Um, but anyway, my point is that, that once Saban started doing it, other schools started doing it. And Virginia Tech, for a full decade, pretty much didn't catch up. So that's, in my opinion, why you have the big spending discrepancy.
0: Right. And so I want to give a few more numbers here so as i said virginia tech spends 35.4 percent of their entire recruiting budget on football check out these percentages for the other schools some other schools alabama 70.7 oh, percent georgia 65.8 percent clemson 63.8 percent florida state 61.8 percent texas 56.9 percent a&m 56.3 percent you know, Oregon, 53%, North Carolina, 52.2%, Auburn, 51.9%, Penn State, 50.5%. So you get the point here. These schools have more money, and then they're spending a higher percentage of that money on football than, right. than Virginia Tech. You can do the math here and figure out why Virginia Tech's not as successful as so, they used so, to be. You can't expect in this day and age when sports are about money, to you can't expect the team that's not spending the money to be competitive with the teams that are. Yeah. I mean, so consistently, in my, you consistently, can, you can do it here and there, here and there. Yes. So, yes. like,
2: where, where's Minnesota on that list? Because I think PJ Fleck oh. is recruiting fairly well. Oh no, he's doing worse than his numbers. He, he, really? He,
0: oh yeah. I mean, he's just a place where they got a ton of money. Man, yeah. I mean, look, they're they're fifteenth in spending, and their recruiting class rankings thirty eighth and forty fifth.
2: Well, there you go. Very PJ,
0: PJ Fleck, because the ESPN writer wrote a couple cool articles about him. In my opinion, is just. He would not do that at Virginia Tech where he had half as much money to spend. You know? Well, he did uh,
2: win 11 games
0: last year. He did right? win 11 uh, Did he win 11? I no, guess so I thought yeah. they went 10 and 2. Whatever. Anyway. Well, I mean, 10. he's a, he's a good football coach, but like I he would not come in here and magically start signing top 10 classes for Virginia Tech Because like he's, I not, think doing, he's not doing he's not doing it in Minnesota. Correct, and they're spending twice as much money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Yeah, it's a me, man. It's just you you, you spend you got to spend more money yeah. if, if you if so, you if you so want that type of success. So put, join the Hokie Club.
2: Put your pitchforks right? away, everybody. Right. You know they, they, this. They, they know about this, and you know I I I just detailed how I felt like Virginia Tech fell behind. and didn't pay proper attention to it, but I think those days are over. I mean,
0: I mean, I think Justin Fuente knows this, and I think when he threatened to go to Baylor, that was his way of saying, "Hey,
2: rattle in the cage." Please
0: listen to me. I've been telling you this. Yeah, his shot across the bow. Yeah. Right. Um. So we'll see. Now here here's the thing, like uh, Virginia Tech has hired three new staff members in the last two or three weeks, you know Corey Corey Fuller, Jeron gavea Winslow, and Alex White. Alex White. That's a big deal considering Virginia Tech is about to lose millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure there's a hiring freeze throughout the entire athletic department unless it's considered a key key position.
2: That so, tells me that donors have donated, and that's what it's earmarked. For.
0: Right. Correct. That's my guess. Right. Right. That's what it's earmarked for. <laughs> uh, like uh, Cincinnati, for example, just they dropped men's soccer in the spring, but then they just basically got huge donations from a couple of donors, and now they have a higher-paid assistant coaching staff than Virginia Tech and a bunch of other Power Five schools, by the way, yeah. Cincinnati. So uh, yeah, the I don't know. Look, look, I don't like it. I don't like that you have to spend this much money to be successful in college football these days, but. Apparently you have to, unless you're Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> so what's There's something secret? special about the Wisconsin. Uh... I mean, I think
0: Alvarez is a genius as far as creating a culture there. Uh-huh. I think he's a better athletic director than he was football coach, to be perfectly honest. And he was a good good coach. Um, but I, so you, you got you got a couple choices if if you're Virginia Tech. Uh, you you could try to go all in on the Clemson model, which y- you're going to have to really raise some more money to do that. Or he could just be like, you know, well, let's just try to be Wisconsin. Now, I don't I don't think our fan base on the whole is as knowledgeable about Wisconsin. Like, I don't think our, our fan base, obviously, this year, we have the 38th ranked class so far this year, and our fans don't consider that
2: good enough. But you know what? The average player rating is about the same as it was last right, year. Right, right. Quickly, um,
1: on mm-hmm. this note, let's transition to talking yeah, about we, the recruiting have, yeah. class from 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. How have those classes been shaped at this point, considering the fact, again, that – at this point you've got 40 players coming in over the next two years at this moment right now
0: it' it's it's a it's a personnel management nightmare all right Virginia Tech signed what three they have three true freshman defensive ends right now on the team four if you can't Daryl Bailey who I think will be a tackle and they they right now they would sign two for next year and would like to sign a third but guess what? Right now, if they sign a third, they're gonna. That means they'll have six true freshman defensive ends on the roster next year.
2: Yeah, that's not gonna work.
0: All right, the, half those dudes. I mean, there's always gonna be attrition, right? But, I, uh, you think that six guys? I don't know. There might be. I wouldn't commit to Virginia Tech if I was a defensive end right now because I know there'd be five other true freshman defensive ends in the program next year. Well, But that's going to be the case at a lot of programs. Well, it depends on the position. Mm -mm. Like somebody else else isn't going to be overloaded at defensive end. Maybe they're overloaded at wide receiver. So if I'm that defensive end recruit, I'm trying to find the school that maybe didn't sign any defensive ends at all last year, had a bad year in defensive end recruiting, as opposed to going to Virginia Tech and competing with five other guys. Whereas... You know if I'm a wide receiver recruit or I don't know maybe in a, maybe that's maybe no defensive tackle is probably the right right call. If I'm a defensive tackle recruit from a school that happened to have loaded down on defensive tackles the last two classes, I'm like I don't really want to compete with six other true freshmen in my position. Maybe I should go to Virginia Tech instead where they haven't signed a lot of defensive tackles. So I think you're going to see some fallout over the next few months when it comes to things like that. Because I think I think coaches, when the NSA made the announcement that players get, could get a, pass get a pass on eligibility, I think the preseason had already started, and coaches are in full football coaching mode at that point. Um, at some point, and I'm sure Fu- Fuente's a deep-thinking guy, so during one of their tech has been like taking multiple days off of practice and things like that. So I'm sure in one of those breaks – he sat down and thought about it and he's like, how in the world am I gonna deal with six true freshman defensive ends ne- next year? How am I, you can't make, that's just not gonna work. Look, there's gonna be
2: attrition there. Um, so uh, I heard a quote about the NCAA's decision that, that, that really crystallized it for me. I was probably listening to Sirius XM and whoever was talking said, it's that that looks great on the surface from the NCAA, but what they've done is they pushed all the problems and everything down onto the schools and the players. Um, this is going to affect opportunities for the freshman class that just enrolled and the freshman class that's going to enroll mm-hmm. next year, mm-hmm. because even, even uh, to my knowledge, the NCAA hasn't said, "Oh yeah, you can now have more than eighty-five scholarships." They've said you can keep more players, but you can't necessarily have more scholarships. And even if they said you could have more scholarships, there are many athletic departments in the country that couldn't afford this, particularly in the wake of COVID-19. So it is a it, it moving forward six months from now, a year from now, this is going to be a nightmare for athletic departments to deal with. And it is going to result in a lot of players who otherwise would have had the opportunity to play college football, being told, you know, ushered out of the program let's put it that way that otherwise wouldn't have been
1: all right last thing on recruiting uh looking at the 2021 class again, 25 signees just quickly overall reflections on how that class is shaping right now in terms of talent
0: well i mean with everything i know
2: now it seems about normal (laughs) uh one of the differences in in these two classes evan is that there's just there's almost a complete lack of four-star recruits um and that that could trigger a discussion that goes on 15 minutes we don't need to get into it uh Virginia Tech has historically been able to sign multiple four-star recruits each year out of these 40 players you're talking about I think there's only one four-star um
0: and is you know that Alec Bryant uh,
2: it could well could and, be, well, and uh, here's could, the
0: thing I think he's the third best of the defensive ends we signed well you know so, so
2: and and you can you can argue that certainly ratings this year are you know, what yeah. do they mean because sure. they haven't had camps and
1: evaluations
2: and things like that? So, oh gosh,
0: th- you were going to ask about that, weren't you? No, no, I'm sorry. No, I was not. just
1: going to mention the fact that, go, go ahead. Uh, oh, well,
0: but okay. So let's say, okay, Virginia Tech got the commitment from Alabama running back. Yeah, I was last about to week, bring right? Kenji Christian. Uh, okay. Well, Alabama's playing high school football this year, <sighs> Virginia and North Carolina are not playing high school football this year. So that tight end, Virginia Tech, just got a commitment from from North Carolina, Jared, or, or any in state guy that has a commitment from this year. How do you rank those guys when they play no senior season? So, is Virginia Tech's commit from Alabama going to jump up in the rankings simply, and is he going to Because he's actually playing football. Yeah. Like the rankings this year are just going to be
2: completely
0: can all you, over the you place. Can you imagine the that. discussions
2: at rivals and twenty four seven about how do we mm. deal with this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's awful.
1: Well, uh, folks, we're getting ready to get to the Facebook Live questions. If you have a question for Willa Chris, be sure to drop it. Malcolm will get to it. Uh, Last thing to discuss before we get to the questions, however, is just about the athletes at Virginia Tech. And, uh, of course, COVID-19 has been such a prevalent topic for quite some time now. Virginia Tech on Monday updated its dashboard Uh, On Monday, there were a total of 178 positive cases uh, since testing began three weeks ago. This was on Monday. So it's cumulative. Of the 10,053 tests administered. Again, this was on Monday. So the reason we bring it up, though, is uh, just because of the athletes. Of course, right now, they're practicing. Like you said, the football players are being tested, what, three times a week is what you said. But they're also having, some of them, having to interact in person. Question being... How does all of this affect Virginia Tech student-athletes right now with classes starting and the cases rising a little bit from last week to this week?
0: I'm guessing most of them have online classes only. So so I don't think they're necessarily impacted by the academic side. I think they're impacted by the social off-campus lifestyle side of it. I I think that's that's a more likely scenario for a player to catch – Coronavirus or any regular student to catch Coronavirus in my opinion I, I, I think the off campus Parties and things like that that's COVID Central uh, I, I don't think a structured environment Is, is Something that's going to transmit it A whole lot so to me It impacts it from the Standpoint of if you see an Increase in number Some people have a natural inclination To, to just get scared and say oh my gosh Cancel football season right that that's that's natural for a lot of people so to me that's how it affects football players is okay because kids in Foxborough get coronavirus is that going to make people want to cancel football season <laughs> so i mean th- that that's my honest answer on that like like i i think i think they would be better off if the students hadn't returned to campus uh, but you know that was that wasn't going to happen of uh, course
2: I, I believe that the acc and sec and big 12 are intent on pushing ahead Mm -hmm. um and i think you need to look to to the i don't want to say the example that north carolina and nc state set but just that that case study um north carolina has sent their on-campus freshmen home i mean this happened a week or two ago last i heard they were down to about a thousand to fifteen hundred kids left on campus but they didn't stop practicing football and they still plan on playing football So I I think the two things are separate. I I think if you want to talk about canceling football season, you're only going to pay attention to the cases and the hospitalizations and such that are occurring among the actual football players. I don't think the student uh, population at large is, is an issue. When you're talking about athletics, that's my take on watching what is unfolded.
1: All right, last word, real quick. One thing I know we wanted to bring up as well: Virginia Tech announcing President Tim Sands saying no tailgating this year at games. Of course, no official announcement on what the attendance policy will be if there will be one at this point. But will uh, what was your reaction to that news?
2: Uh, so the the release said that there would be no tailgating in athletic lots and in town of Blacksburg public parking spaces and areas so uh, number one i think it was premature because uh, virginia if virginia tech's only going to have a thousand fans attend and and that's actually going to be family it's not even going to be fans if there are only a thousand people who are allowed to be in lane stadium on game day then this announcement is fine but if i am told that there is a quote-unquote task force in front of the governor whatever that means trying to get him to approve Larger gatherings for you know basically attacking UVA football. Maybe well, JMU is not really going to play uh, much, if right. at all. Um, why not wait and find the outcome of that before you make this announcement? So it could be a little premature. And the other thing is, um, so if for instance, I, I tailgate out on Edgewood Lane in a, in a big lot behind a house. Uh, this is an outside non public parking area what if uh, eight or 10 cars roll up in this lot and tailgate on game day? Um, what does that mean? Are the cops gonna go by and, and, and try to bust you? Uh, not to mention that since you can't be outside, that's gonna push everybody inside, which is more dangerous. So right. I don't wanna sound like I'm being critical, I, I get it. I, 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 if you want, If you want me to plant my flag in the ground, I think it's premature and an overreaction. But I get that they, I guess what I would say is, listen man, control your space on campus and let the town of Blacksburg do their own thing. I'm not real fond of the university and the town of Blacksburg working together to bust students who are off campus. Others may have a different opinion, but that's just my take.
0: Yeah, uh, my first thought on it was, hey, I'm happy. there's two ways to look at it. From an economic standpoint, I'm happy for the local businesses because this is going <laughs> to get some people in Sharkies and Champs and places like that to watch the football game. And those bi- local businesses can use the money, right? Now, if I I guess the reason they decided on this was to try to make sure the the virus doesn't get spread. But what they've done is driven people from an outdoor environment into an indoor environment. Like you think those those kids who tailgate on Center Street before before football games, you think they're just going to say, oh, gosh, I guess we just can't party before the game. Guess what? They're going to party indoors. Their beer pong's going from
1: outside to inside. However, the maximum amount of people is fifteen, and they're really cracking down. Allowed in an indoor space. So
2: So, um, be quiet, because if you get called because you're being Mm -hmm. if the if the cops get called on you because you're being too noisy then they're going to come in and start counting people. Right. Uh, pretty sure we live in America. I'm pretty sure they can't just roll up to an apartment, and knock on the door and start counting people without a reason for being
0: there. Yeah. You'd have to know the laws and everything, but
2: yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think
0: the whole pushing people to, and we'll see how it works. Yep. Um, it's one of those things like, you know, there are laws and then there, are, then there are enforced laws. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Um, so I don't know. Like On paper, it doesn't make sense to me because it means more people will be indoors drinking instead of outdoors drinking. And To me, it just seems like the indoor thing is more dangerous. We'll just have to wait, wait and see how it all works out.
1: So we've covered nearly 10 topics in an hour, just so much so to get through Virginia in? Tech yeah. Athletics. We're just over an hour in. And without further ado, it's time to get to you, the the heart of the, the show, the ones who make... Uh, the Tech Sideline Podcast, what it is. The viewers, thanks so much for watching on Facebook Live. I'll turn it over to the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm, what's going on, my friend?
3: How's it going? Uh We'll start with Tristan Raish. I hope I pronounced that right. Considering Foo's comments about the quarterbacks, essentially I'd be lying if I said the quarantine didn't affect timing of the passing game, etc. Is the subpar QB play from that SCS game possibly foreshadow an overall decline in the passing game efficiency in college football this year?
0: That, that's a good point. And for Virginia Tech from a s- specifically, it's not just the quarterbacks missing time with their receivers. It's the fact that Virginia Tech is going to have two key receivers this year that were not in the program last year, Changa Hodge and Evan Ferris you know they're still learning the offense not to mention blackshear you know so it's not just the fact that they weren't getting a lot of time together it's just three key members of that unit are new and still learning the offense so yeah i mean it's it's certainly possible that that we don't look like a well-oiled machine offensively from passing game standpoint early in the season and you know there's probably some other other teams that that could say the same thing
2: yeah that's something to watch um to be fair, my criticism of the of the SV, FCS play was mostly of the the mechanics and accuracy of the quarterbacks. You know, I thought they moved around in the pocket really well, and then they'd uncork something flat-footed. That yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, set your feet, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't a timing and a pattern thing. It was more just the mechanics of the QBs. Right. Good question, though. All right, what you got next, Malcolm? I've got some stuff off of Twitter we can do, but go ahead and what's on Facebook.
3: Uh, we'll do one from Johnny Callahan. Is the 2021 recruiting class a disappointment based on the lofty expectations that were placed on it?
2: No.
0: what's? I mean, I just went over those numbers, I think. I don't think I can address that any different. I mean, we're 40th in spending, and we have the 38th best class, and generally these days you get what you pay for. So I, I think uh, it's right in line with what we should probably expect.
2: I, I have a different take on that. Um, this is... I'd have to go look at in-class rankings, in-state class rankings for the last two or three years to really cement this opinion. But if you just look at the 2021 class, Virginia Tech is absent from the top 17 or 18 players in the state. Mm-hmm. And and you know we we've been we've been told at various points in the past, oh yeah yeah tough year in state, but man look at 2020 2020 is going to be good in state. Well, yeah, tough year, but 2021 is going to be good in state, and I'm still waiting for that to come true. And I'm not sure that's budget-related. Um, there are – and don't give me that, yeah, Virginia Tech doesn't want any of the top 15 players in the state. That's not true. There are players in this state they want, and and they're not getting. And, man, I forgot the question. What was the question?
0: <laughs> uh, is, the, is the 38th ranked class disappointing?
2: so it was an aggregate question yes um yeah and and i started getting down and instead of taking a macro look i was taking a micro look and i was getting ready to talk about specific specific recruits so yeah i mean if you take the
0: micro look you know it depends on which part you're looking at in-state recruiting as far as your top level recruits yes disappointing defensive end recruiting on the whole very excited about um going to california and getting a borderline four-star corner. Very excited about that. Um, So there's the defensive tackle recruiting. Kind of disappointed, especially when you consider how well defensive end recruiting has gone. Um, But on the macro level, I think it's probably about, about what we should be expecting going forward, unless they just start... Dedicating a lot more resources to it. Yeah,
2: and, and you know, as far so, as it, so so, unless you can leverage in-state connections to grab a four-star here and there, um, you're you're not I just, likely to go out of state and grab I, four. You know, stars I just
0: point. I just spent the weekend in the seven five seven, and I just don't think Virginia Tech is very big across the state anymore. Not anymore. Not I, I just didn't see that many Virginia Tech license plate or people wearing Virginia Tech gear. I just don't – I mean, the 757 is way over there. <laughs> I mean, Virginia Tech, the people around Blacksburg have more in common with people from eastern Tennessee than they do, like, your average 757, Joe. Yeah. It's just a completely different part of the state. So that, I, cha- I, that changed for a while. It, it did. It did. Um, but I, I just think – I don't know, just being out there – Um
3: the vibe it, it's, is different y-
0: y- y- yeah. Y- yeah it's just different than it used to be yeah.
1: good question
3: uh Ivan Morozov might <laughs> sound familiar Russian hook? wow
2: he didn't answer my email the other day I sent you an email I haven't an answered Huh. Well, we shouldn't answer his question then.
1: <laughs> well, Until he yeah. no, I answers mean, that no, I'm just kidding. He asks, <laughs> yes.
3: will the media be allowed to cover the games and interview the players? Okay, so let's talk about that. That's sure.
2: A, you know, the uh, uh, I tend not to talk about what affects the media because there's that that fan reaction, of, ah, who cares? Um no, it is uh, it is different. It's gonna be weird. Um So the 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 photographers, Ivan's one of our photographers, John Fleming is another. They're starting to email me and go Hey, what's the plan for this year? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah,
3: we don't
0: Virginia have one. Virginia Tech
2: hadn't told us yet. We don't have one. The game is now ten days away, and we have not been told. So Virginia Tech's being squirrely about telling us, and and that may be that they're waiting on that task force answer because if you only allow a thousand people in Lane Stadium, that includes players, officials, press, and and so maybe it's impossible to make that decision yet. But we have been told um, through a Tech spokesman. Uh, you know, most likely post game interviews are going to be a Zoom type situation. So, um, wow! And so I've had I've had a couple of people email me and and say, "Hey, is there any way you can get me in the in the stadium this year?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't think I'm going to be in the stadium I'm this year."
0: Pretty sure I can't get myself in the stadium this year. So it, it, it works.
2: would not surprise me if you wound up. Gosh, I don't I, I don't want to commit and say the press box might be completely empty, and everybody might be watching the game on television at home and then connecting to a zoom call to ask the coaches and players what happened Mm -hmm. but i could see a situation where there are very few actual reporters in the press box and oh sorry um the post-game interviews will be via zoom or some other method and the only photographers on the field will be virginia tech athletics photographers and that what are called pool photos will be distributed so it's it's uh, it's going to make covering football very weird.
0: Well, uh, put yourself in the position of a newspaper. Oh gosh, let's say you're the Norfolk Virginia Pilot. Norm Woods, your beat writer, right? You send him to Blacksburg for every Monday and Tuesday interview and every football game. And is the Norfolk Virginia Pilot going to figure out during the course of all this that Norm Wood is writing just as good of articles with Zoom interviews? Mm-hmm. Is he is driving to Blacksburg every week? Uh, is he going to write just as good a game recap after the, when the post game is on Zoom? Is it as it is if he was there in person?
2: I used to write darn good recaps just watching the game just, on the television. You,
0: you can see the game better on TV. Yeah, you, you're, you know, you've got replays, you've got announcers explaining things to you, and you know, there have been many a times where I've gotten home after a game. And I've got on our message boards, and I've been like, hey, guys, what happened on this play? <laughs> I was in the stadium, so I couldn't see it. You guys had a better view, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's actually a long-term problem. Are people going to go back to football stadiums after they get used to watching them on their 70-inch high-def TV?
2: So so to close out the discussion, the cynical part of me thinks that there are certain athletic departments, maybe a lot <laughs> of them, and maybe Virginia Tech's one of them, that, that kind of like what's happening here, where they don't have to deal with external media, they can just take their own pictures, take their own video, and and put out their own media for people to consume. Um, that's that's got a a cynical, almost conspiracy theory aspect to it. But you know, there 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 isn't a large organization in the country that wouldn't enjoy completely controlling the message themselves. Absolutely, yeah.
3: All right, Malcolm, how many more? What do you think? Uh, I can do one more here, okay. and then we do the Twitter question. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Ryan Haynes, the staff seems to be putting an emphasis on bringing in talent through the transfer portal. Should we be considering transfer portal additions when evaluating recruiting rankings? Absolutely,
0: and we do. Will and I just had this conversation Long discussion yesterday, yesterday in the office about how we want to possibly change our recruiting coverage in the future. Um, maybe recruiting and the transfer portal all under, all fall under – a player personnel talent acquisition department Uh, because like, okay, Virginia Tech fans got really, really mad when Virginia Tech missed out on, let's say Ricky Slade, right? A borderline five-star running back from Northern Virginia who went to Penn Penn State, state was a bust and now plays at old dominion, but our recruiting rankings would have looked better if, if they signed him instead tech went out and got two proven FBS power five running backs in Blackshear and Herbert, and they're going to get a combined three years of good production out of those two guys. One of them might make the NFL too, but it doesn't help Virginia Tech's recruiting rank any. The narrative is still that oh, Virginia Tech can't recruit. Yeah. But Penn State, who got nothing out of their four-star running back, has a higher has a, a higher recruiting reputation than Virginia Tech does, who will get a lot of production from two transfers.
3: Yeah.
0: So. And I don't even think the recruiting sites have figured out how to incorporate all yeah, this so, and everything. Yeah, so a
2: couple things I can add there is speaking specifically to the recruiting sites, um, you can already see 24-7, uh, when you if you go look at their transfer portal page, they rank players by position in the transfer portal, and it's it's a dual ranking. It's Take the case of Ricky Slade. Mm-hmm. Ricky Slade is ranked as a three-star transfer but they show you his original five-star recruiting ranking. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So at 24-7, it's got to be having these discussions, and they may be close to melding those two things together. And
0: Khalil Herbert was ranked the number one transfer running back in the country, and Blackshear was number six.
2: Imagine if Virginia Tech recruited the number one running back in the country out of high school. How freaking out would you be?
0: Well, they got the number one
2: running back from the transfer Uh, portal. Right, and here's the
0: thing. The transfer portal guy has proven yeah, Coyle Herbert is a proven player. Raheem Blackshear them. is you a proven player. Ricky Slade might have been ranked tie. He might have run over a bunch of tiny Northern Virginia
2: teams, but he was not proven on the college level. And, and guess what? Now he yeah. is. So the other thing I would add <laughs> is that we we tend to at times get a little critical about Virginia Tech's recruiting. But I, I and, and I completely admit I stole this thought from Chris Coleman. Chris, Chris has pointed out that Virginia Tech does really well with the transfer portal because you're dealing with guys who have gone somewhere and maybe been distracted by the bright lights and gone to a certain situation that wasn't good for them, and they don't care about that stuff anymore. These are grown men. Justice Reed is 24 years old. <laughs> he's a grown man. He He's likely to peek inside the weight room and go, Yep, I know what happens there. It looks good to me. Let's go. Uh, what about football? Right. And Justin Fuente and his staff, I think, can talk to guys like that at this point in their careers maybe better than they can deal with high school and all the all the crap that comes with high school recruiting. Yeah. So that's you got to give the staff credit. They're pretty good at the transfer portal thing.
1: I think it's a a good way to maybe close it, thinking about the, yeah. the future unless you have a Twitter question. So let
2: me see if I can uh, dig up a question on Twitter. I think I did see one that was is, is fairly simple to answer. Um So Andrew Fontana wants to know who will step up in place of Caleb Farley in the secondary.
0: Yeah, um, so I I guess that'll be a competition between Armani Chapman and I would guess Devin Taylor, the transfer, although he's not going to be fully cleared to practice, I believe, until next week. Um, So actually the season getting pushed back by a week would I guess give him a better opportunity to win that job. But, uh, you know, I would think one of those two guys – Uh, Because Taylor's getting here so late uh, You would have to give Chapman the edge Early in the season Um, You know, Taylor's a guy who The longer he's here And the more he picks up the system The better it will be for him Probably the same thing for Changa Hodge You know, it's difficult for a wide receiver To come in and pick up an entire passing game In in less than a month Or about a month Um, So yeah, those are the two guys I I would expect right now And Breon Murray i would say has an outside opportunity there as well
2: so a couple of quick answers ron john says i've cut the facebook cord good for you <laughs> is there any other option for viewing uh not live but we do we do archive the video not live
1: but let me do say since the last time i've done a podcast we now have options to listen on spotify google podcast stitcher as well as apple podcast and soundcloud so
2: now as far as viewing the the video we archive that to youtube YouTube. yep generally generally within a couple hours so go to uh youtube slash tech sideline and and you can you can catch it uh let's see and there was another one i wanted to answer um how big was it was it for this season and for future transfer candidates to get blackshear eligible um Mm. so one of the comments that was made and a I was starting to worry about this comment, was Virginia Tech starting to get a reputation for not being able to get transfers eligible. The Brock Hoffman situation, mm. eh, Burmeister doesn't really count, but when you are being negatively recruited against, it doesn't matter what the details are. Yeah. You're, you're an opposing per- coach. Perception's
0: greater than reality. You could say,
2: oh, they couldn't get Burmeister eligible, they couldn't get Hoffman eligible, they couldn't get Blackshear eligible. Why would you transfer there, come to come to my school right. instead? Well, now there's that this Flies counter to that narrative, so that's we just talked about how Virginia Tech does a pretty good job mining the transfer portal. So that's big. Clearly, it's big for this year. We talked about that, but it's also big for your reputation when you're out there trying to get players from the portal. I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, yeah.
1: All um, right. Well, we are almost ninety minutes wow. in to the podcast. What that's a great, great man! It's been man. fun. It's I'd, Seventeen I'd... days until the uh, the season kicks off.
2: I'm hating the masks. I think it, uh, I hate the way they look, but I think it'll sound okay. On the uh, you know, I, I
0: wore one when I went to San Diego. So probably seven to straight hours between flights and sitting in airports and all that, and it didn't bother me at all. You you don't feel like you even have it on. But when you're talking, it's a lot different when you wear one this long and you're talking the entire time. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Um,
2: starting to, starting to get a little sweaty under here. So, you know, we, we, after all this started, we kind of let the, uh, the podcast lapse. And, uh, that was just me being bullheaded. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time and effort getting all of the sound right, building the set, getting the video right, doing all these things that we do. And I just, I just. I just don't want to do it another way. We we did a Zoom podcast with uh, with Nick Brown, and Nick did fine hosting it. I just thought it sounded like crap. There was no video available afterwards, you know. This is the way I like to do it. So if we got to wear a mask to do it, that's fine with me. We'll do it.
1: Well, a great show. Thanks to everybody for chiming in with the questions at the end, and uh, we look forward to the next one. Any closing thoughts before we sign off?
2: Just thanks to Jonathan so. Fisher and the Grit Gear guys for uh, sponsoring the podcast.
1: There you have it. Episode 132 of the Tech Sideline podcast in the books. That'll do it for us. For the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. I'm proud podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening. This is the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week, Hokies. (laughs)